I didn't see that coming. I didn't think that would be me. But here we are, standing together with the call to wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. Christ will shine his light on us. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. So, if the resurrection happened, if it happened as we just heard that it happened, and if it happened the way that we say we believe in the Apostles' Creed that we said together earlier, if the resurrection happened, then it's going to be okay. If the resurrection happened, it's going to be okay. Mark tells this story in such brief beauty, and he, he, just, he opens up just with kind of where we left off, with, with this sense that hope was gone, and Jesus was buried, and there's a large stone that's rolled in front of the tomb. And so the story begins with three women who've been named previously, and they're there uh, coming, one last act of devotion, they're going to embalm the body of Jesus. They were there following Jesus. They were there at the cross when all the male disciples had fled and had denied Jesus. Uh, the women were there. They were still there close by. And so they're highlighted in this story because they hung around. And they go back uh, after the Sabbath was over. They couldn't work on the Sabbath. So they go back and they're going to embalm the body of Jesus. And Mark really highlights them and their role in the story. And it's fascinating because in Jewish culture, uh, women were not able to be witnesses uh, at all. They just were kind of seen as that wasn't their role in society or they were not, uh, you know, trustworthy or whatever it was, but they were not allowed to speak in that way. They couldn't be witnesses. And so it's, it's fascinating and wonderful that the way uh, that our story begins as Christians is uh, the first people to preach the gospel that Jesus was not in the tomb as they expected, uh, were women. And so that's how this story goes. These women, um, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, as they were gathering, they, they have a question in the back of their minds, and they have a question that they're sharing with each other. And it is, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? It's a very practical question. If you're wanting to get inside of a tomb and there's a large stone in front of it, then it's natural to wonder how we're going to get the stone out of the way. And so uh, this question to me seems like those questions that we ask, you know, when life doesn't go the way that we hoped that it would. These women, these ladies have realized that life did not go the way that they hoped that it would. And Jesus is this person that they had placed their hope in and, and that they had begun to follow. He... This story is not going like they thought that it would. So their lives are shipwrecked. You know, they're destitute and they're afraid and they don't know what to do. And they just want to get on with life. You know, have you ever been there when things don't go the way that you plan and you just want to get the practical daily tasks done so you can get on with life? That's how these women felt. And so with all of that feeling and the anticipation, the anxiety of how the stone was going to be removed, they arrive at the tomb to find that the stone was already rolled over. It's moved out of the way. And they're greeted surprisingly by an angel who begins to make this announcement to them saying, oh yes, you're here seeking Jesus of Nazareth. He was crucified. 
But as you can see, he has been raised from the dead. He is not here. He has been risen. And so the resurrection, the news of the resurrection begins to answer their questions, begins to point them in the direction that they didn't go there thinking they would be headed in. And so there's new instructions the angel says to them. Um, Don't be alarmed. I know you came here looking for Jesus, but he's not here. And that's actually good news because he's been raised from the dead. This is the place where he was. And the verb is past tense. So it means that Jesus has been raised. Someone else did the raising. And in this case, we believe that God the Father is the one who raised Jesus from the dead. And it was God's response to Jesus' suffering and death. And it remains God's response, we believe, to our suffering and our death. That the reason that death and suffering don't hold sway over us ultimately is because Jesus suffered and died in a redemptive way and has been raised from the dead. And so life has entered the story in that way, and we have a new lease on life. And that's what we celebrate today when we gather for Easter. And so this is God's ultimate response to Jesus' agony on the cross. Remember when Jesus wondered if he had been abandoned by God? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, have have you left me here alone? And God's final response, his answer to that question is this resurrection, is the raising of his son from the dead. So the news goes on, the instructions to these women, the angel says, okay, now this is how it's going to go. This is news that needs to be shared, right? So uh, Jesus is not where you thought he would be. He's been raised from the dead. So first things first, we got to get the word out. We got to go tell the people that he told he would appear to all along the way. Jesus said, hey, Y'all are going to abandon me and all this stuff, but when, when I've been raised from the dead, I'm going to go to Galilee, and I'll meet you there. And, uh, and that's how he told them it was going to go. They've forgotten at this point, and they're afraid, and they've scattered uh, like sheep without a shepherd, as Jesus said that they would. And um, so the instructions continue, and, and the angel says, okay, God would like for you ladies to go tell the disciples and Peter that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Now, that little addition, and Peter, it's unnecessary, it seems, because Peter was one of the disciples. He was one of the main disciples. And so if the instructions to tell the disciples, hey, disciples, um, Jesus has been raised from the dead, we might be asking, why would you include Peter? Why do you have to say Peter again? Why did you say the disciples and Peter instead of just the disciples? Because we know Peter's included in the disciples. And from the earliest sermons that we have in the Christian church reflecting on this, and as the Gospel of Mark and his story is developed, everybody notices this. And all the commentators from the very beginning said, doesn't it seem appropriate? Because if, they, if the angel hadn't been specific, and if the women didn't go specifically mention Peter by name, do you think he would have ever felt like he belonged again? Do you think he would have ever felt like he could be welcomed back with the disciples again? So if they just said, well, go tell the disciples, maybe Peter would think, I'm not a disciple anymore. Because I told Jesus, hey, if everyone turns away, I won't turn away. I'll be be right there by your side. And then he remembered as he turned away that he had said that. And Mark tells us that he wept bitterly, that Peter wept bitterly. And so I just imagine whatever state Peter was in when this news reached him, go tell the disciples and Peter. I think Mark tells the story this way because I need to hear 
go tell the disciples and Ryan. And I think we need to hear, go tell the disciples and the good people of FUMC Sweetwater that Jesus is not here, that he has been raised from the dead. Because I think all of us have walked the story of Peter. We understand the road of denial. We understand what it's like to live in fear and darkness. And it's natural for us to anticipate that this might be somebody else's story. There might be good news for somebody else. There might be somebody out there that's really able to hear this and internalize it and share this news, but not me, not us. But it's good that there's somebody out there. So I love this little editorial comment, go tell the disciples and Peter, as a reminder that we have not wandered too far, that in our scattering and our denial, that the word of God, the son of God, and the news of his resurrection has found us where we are. And so we have hope today. We've been invited into a life that embraces that story. Uh, even the, the reference to Galilee, people have always understood that the reference to Galilee is a symbol for crossing over, like the Passover from death to life, that Jesus is, is passing over from this world to the next, that we are passing over from denial to discipleship, to devotion, that there's a pathway for us. There's a resurrection rhythm that we've been invited to where we are moving from darkness to light, from death to life. And that's the movement of the resurrection that Jesus undergoes, and it's the, the movement that we have been invited to participate in. So we read this story, and, and it's like that invitation is out there. Will you hear the invitation? Will you recognize that you're named with Peter and that you've been asked to go to Galilee and to make this life transformation? If you've been living a life of vice and denial, then it's an invitation to live a life of discipleship and virtue and hope and faith and love. And if you've been living a life of virtue, then it's an invitation to live a life that moves from virtue to virtue, from light to light, from illumination to more illumination. And we share that story with others. If the resurrection happened, as we say we believe together, then we also say it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And as we're faced with that promise, we tend to have uh, one of two responses when this kind of hope is in question. If we miss the resurrection of the Son of God, then it tends to be because we're moving in one of two directions. And you may find yourself more familiar in one place than the other. I know I do. One way that we miss the resurrection of God is by just saying, you know, I hear that and all, but I actually don't think it's going to be okay. I, I have a different view of the world. I'm a realist. I understand. You guys talk it up, but I don't think it's going to be okay, at least not in the way that y'all say. This all resurrection thing, that sounds good, but I don't, I'm not really buying it, and I think we might as well just live the life that we have, and I, I'm skeptical as to whether it's going to be okay or whether the resurrection has anything to do with my life at all. So we can miss it that way. The other way we can miss it is by saying, oh, I know it's going to be okay. And I know it's going to be okay because my name is so-and-so, and by God, I'm going to make it okay. <laughs> right? Have you ever been there? So we miss it both ways. We miss it by saying, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical as to whether it's going to work out, or I know it's going to work out because I'm holding the reins, and I have full control over what's happening in life. And we're tempted, I think, in both directions. 
And so, wherever we have missed it, the resurrection is an invitation to allow that hope that Jesus offers to be real for us. For us to be able to live in a light-filled way of life that is not something that we have to conjure up. It's not something that we have to work up the courage or the inertia to believe ourselves, but it's actually funded by this overwhelming life like the rising of the sun where Jesus is filling our hearts with a real and genuine hope. And the invitation is not just to believe. It's not just to say, yeah, I'm good with that. I hope that's true. But it's actually an invitation to fall in with the rhythm that Jesus has laid out for us. Paul talks about it this way, you know, if, if, we're, if, we've, if we've died with Christ, if we've been crucified with Christ, then it follows that we would also be raised with Christ. And there's this, there's this ongoing participation where the resurrection of Jesus is God's work, first and foremost, absolutely, but then we're given the reins just enough to respond and to keep the cycle going. And Paul says in another place, he quotes one of the early church hymns and says, uh, wake up, O sleeper and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine his light on you. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. That's a call to us. Wake up and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine his light. So it's this ongoing partnership and participation in the power of God and the Holy Spirit where we wake up and we open our eyes and we take a deep breath and we breathe in the words and the signs and the beauty of God, and Jesus shines his light on us. And he shines his light around us. And he shines his light through us. And we become the resurrection people of God. And those of us who felt like we were the least likely candidates, we emerge as primary witnesses in this story. And it's humbling and it's very beautiful to be in that position with you as we look back and go, man, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think that would be me. But here we are, standing together with the call to wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine his light on us. If the resurrection is true, it's going to be okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.